I'm delighted to be here this morning. Thanks to my precious brother, Reverend Luke Parry, and for the invitation for Bruce for helping me with all the processes and the congregation who invited me this morning uh, for Sunday school. This place is a beacon of light and a place sanctified by you, by those of you who worship here, who uh, live God's love, and also a place sanctified by the memory of, of all of those who came before us, those who we studied here, so many, and I remember, of course, Reverend William Barber II. I'm happy to be here also to see some of my friends from nearby, but also from far away from Brazil. Good to see you all. And I'm happy too that my wife, Katie, and my three kids, Libby, Cece, and Ike, they are here with me this morning. They are the most precious things in my life. The Gospel of Mark for today speaks of the transfiguration of Jesus, as we heard. And some th sometimes this text considered a fantastic text or a fantastic event. And that's what we're going to think and ponder a little bit about this morning. So Jesus is at the top of the mountain transfigured. Almost like when I felt back there when you were all singing, I felt like... My heart was being transfigured by your singing. Thank you very much. And uh, by the way, your Portuguese is, is that you who read Portuguese? You do speak Portuguese regularly? This is fantastic. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. I was so surprised to see that when the Portuguese was coming. Thank you. Moments of transfigurations, right? But that one was a very intense one because then Jesus was receiving the uh, visits of Moses and Elijah. They were celebrating the Feast of Booths or Tabernacles where people celebrated the protection offered by God during their, their wanderings in the wilderness. Moses and Elijah have been interpreted as the law and the prophecy, and now they are reunited with the Messiah. When the disciples see this gathering, they want to build a booth for each so they can stay with them. But Jesus says that they need to go back to the people. Elijah and Moses disappear into a cloud that overshadows them. For this cloud appears a voice from God saying, This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. So let's unpack that a little bit. For the rational minds, this is a very strange text. Because it is about transfigurations. People who didn't die, like Elijah, is reappearing. And a dead coming from the dead, like Moses. And a voice coming from the cloud. You have to agree that this is not a normal text. And if you haven't... Uh, but if you have read anything from Gabriel Garcia Marquez, or Jorge Luis Borges, or Isabel Allende, or Laura Esquivel... Among others, you know that this transfiguration text can be easily be counted among the Latin American magical realism literature. It is also as if the um, authors had also read the second and third 
uh, early Christian apocryphal literature, you know the Acts of Paul and Thecla? They talk about wonder-working, self-baptizing, animals defeating, or Perpetua, who was a martyr whose vision empowered her to do impossible things like seeing God, healing the dead and departed, and even perhaps the most impossible of all, reconciling opposing bishops. Different levels of reality working at the same time. The real together with the fictional. The natural countered by the supernatural. And the fantastic here is a true presence. Stories with people of all kinds. Ghosts and other presences that figure, transfigure, disfigure and change our realities. And today I want us to think about this transfiguration through the notion of lights. Clouds, shadows and darkness. This story is marked by many shades and movements of life. The story begins with the normal light of the day. Then there is an experience with a super radiant light that shines like in nothing else. Then clouds and shadows swallow. Elijah and Moses and at the end they were left again with the normal light of the day and they had to return home with the demand to not tell anyone what had happened so if we think about this a little more Jesus takes his three disciples to a high mountain to be apart from everything and everyone Jesus knew that the only way to handle this world is by resting praying and meditating time and again Jesus retires to the wilderness so he can be by himself this time he takes three friends perhaps wanting to teach them how spiritual practices matter to the sustenance of one's life and ministry in the desert we are called I don't know if you have been to the desert but you should we are called to manage our own selves to pace our hearts to deal with our fears to see ourselves more closely and this is so difficult isn't it Jesus knew that that to be his disciple to lead people even just to live well one needed time of solitude as a way to learn to be with people. In the desert, we deal with our own demons and we have nowhere to run for every place is still the desert. The desert mothers and fathers knew this wisdom. They noted that we can leave everything behind in our journey to the desert and still be overcome by what we bring in our own selves. Our challenge while in the desert is to see it as a part of ourselves as we learn how to go inwards also and to discover that God has always been already there waiting for us, knowing us even before we knew to say God's name. To discover ourselves perhaps for the first time. Also very strange things happen in the desert, like transfigurations. And here we have one that happens in the forms of three lights, bright lights, shadows, and normal light. 
In the desert, the sky has an all-encompassing light during the day, but nothing like what they saw. The text says, And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. Peter did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Here they are, experiencing one of the brightest moments of their life. One that is much as unbelievable as it is real. Elijah and Moses with Jesus. How great is that? I don't know about you, but I, if I was there, I would say the same thing to Jesus. Lord, let's stick here a little longer because this is really good to be here together. It's almost, it's actually incredible. Well, today, if we were to do the same thing when we are in our brightest moments, we might say, well, let's get some endowed chairs or let's form a foundation or perhaps let's create a website. And truly an experience beyond the limits of any reasonable vision, faith. They experienced a light that was brighter than the sun at midday. The same light that blinded Paul the same light that is Jesus Christ, the light of the world. This light that takes us. This light that overwhelms us. A movement of beyond right here. Something else shows that life is not only what we see or what we believe, but that life is beyond what we can think or imagine or measure. A light that shows that life is always more beyond the sum of all of its parts. A light of life in its fullness, a miracle. A light like a supplication for which we never pray because we didn't have the grammar of faith to pray for. But such as prayer most of the time, it's more a provision than an answer. This transfiguring moment take up our whole entire beings. It is, it is not about what we understand. It includes what we cannot control. For our faith, faith always includes the realm beyond the possible. Like an expected light in a cloudy day. Or a light in the middle of the night. When we are desperate. And this light whispers in our ears, keep going, keep going. Like a visit of something or somebody that alters the entire path of our lives, a light from God. As such, this light shines a glory that we can describe or explain. Just say, ah, thank you, God. The mystics wonder about this light. It was the same light that shone right there in the very beginning of creation. The suchness of this light is the very presence of God shining within us, guiding our hearts and guiding our feet. We followers of such a light must learn how to receive God's transfiguring light, changing and charging us into new path with courage, with strength, and the diminishing of our fears. 
Where are the moments, my brothers and sisters, that you can remember God's light shining brighter than yourself? The most transfigurative moment in my life was when I saw Katie and my three kids. When I saw them walking, for the first time my body shivered. I didn't know what to say, but I felt like telling Katie, can, I, can we hang out here a little longer? Please. But we couldn't. All of a sudden, Katie, Libby, Cece, and I were my transfiguration moment where God was shining a light beyond myself onto myself. A sun during the day and a moon during the night. They were God's glory shining on my path that day was being like in the mountaintop with Jesus there God may show me a light I had never seen before but the text continues and shows us a second moment a moment when Elijah and Moses finally had to leave they could not stay there then a cloud overshadowed them and from the cloud came a voice, this is my son, the beloved, listen to him. From that same light comes clouds that hide and confuse. From the clouds, Elijah and Moses disappear, they are overshadowed. A voice comes from it and keep them astonished. Clouds and Place, are places and situations where we don't know what is happening. We cannot see exactly where God is. They encapsulate us in a way that we have to have other forms of measurement. We have to listen when we can't see that God is still there. <laughs> speaking to you. Even when you can't see, there's a light that hides behind the shadows. And there's nothing that you can do during this time but just stay within the shadows until it goes away. This clouds overshadow us and is compared with the darkness of the night. Like the dark night of St. John of the Cross, the dark night that eclipses our senses and our spirit. A time when we feel we don't have enough to go through. When we feel that life gets stuck and seems like nothing is happening. And we don't know what to do and we pray and doesn't seem that God is answering. It is at this moment that God teaches us to say, stay there, listen to me and stay there. I'm there with you. The absence of light doesn't mean that the light's not there. Crazy, right? The shadow are a part of the light. The problem is that we associate darkness with bad things, right? Like monsters and, and, and creatures and a place we can't control or can't get out. So we grow fearful of the darkness. Then we try to avoid it at all costs. Turn on the lights. Don't let me in the dark. I don't know what to do with myself. 
Lately, I have been praying with my son at night. Ike is six years old, and in my prayers with him at bedtime, I always try to say things that try to console myself with the excuse that I'm consoling him. Every night I pray, God, thank you for the night. Thank you for the night. You are the night, and because of that, we don't need to fear. You are the night, and we are the night too. Nothing is beyond your love, and we will not be afraid. I keep repeating it until Ike one night came with his own prayer. Ike, can you say the prayer for us? Carry me through the stars, carry me through the night, wake me up with the morning shine. Thank you. Guide me through the stars, guide me through the night, and wake me up with the morning shine. In that prayer, the night is not something to fear or to be avoided, but a place to go through. All we need is guidance. We can't avoid the darkness of the night, and he already knows that. Nor can we avoid the dark night of the soul. Thus, we welcome the light. We embrace the darkness of the night. Because when we are there, God's darkness will guide us through the stars. God's darkness will, dark, will guide us through the night. And the best thing, God will wake us up with a morning shine. It's like the, the crying that stays throughout the night, but in the morning comes the joy. It's like Psalm 23rd, verse 4. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they. Or like the prayer, I think most of you already know because you grew up, perhaps some of you grew up with this prayer. So pray with me. Now I lay down to sleep. I pray, the angels watch me through. Amen. Now, the text finally comes to the end, with life coming back to its normalcy. The brightest light is gone. The clouds that brought confusion and fears are also gone. Now we are left with the remains of the day and of the night. It's like the liturgical calendar after we go through the enorm enormity of resurrection and the crucifixion and resurrection and the Pentecost. We have a time called common time where our life just goes through the most mundane things. Now the question for us is, what are we going to do with the experiences of light and of darkness that we went through? What are we to do with such light, with such darkness? We follow the God of light. How are we to respond to the clouds when the clouds seem like it overshadows the light? My wife and my two kids went through the darkest night of their soul. They lost the most precious Peter Perella. Her husband and my kid's first father. 
We all have stories about going through the night, don't we? The darkest night of our lives. How can we see the light when there is no light to be seen? What are the other senses that we need to perceive, to feel, or, or, or even just to know that God is there even when our lives seems to be crushed? That God is holding on to us with love and care. Finishing, we are living in a very dark time now. Social disparity across the globe. 43 million U.S. citizens living under the line of poverty. Welfare going to the pockets of a very few rich people. The erosion of democracies. The rise of fascism and global warming swallowing us all. We have difficult times ahead of us. But during this time, we need to know that the light is there. And we need to keep that light shining. We are already called by God to be the light in, unto the world. And that means that we have to be a, a, a light into each other's path. For we are called to be each other's lights. So be a light everywhere you go. Bring your light to sustain people that are going through the night. Be a light when you fight against those who are stealing against the poor. Be a light and let your light shine. Like the moral Monday, light was shining here. Let it shine. Like the poor people's campaign is shining throughout the country. Let this light spread. But be aware. Only those who are not afraid of the darkness can shine an inextinguishable light, a light that doesn't go away. Don't let the brightness of your light be deemed by your fears, by what happened to you every day, by the denial of your humanity. Respond, shining your light more brightly. Because that no one can take away from you. The civil rights movement shows us no one can take away the light of the people. Now, I want you to repeat after me. In the name of Jesus, the light of the world, there, let there be light in my life. Can you say it with me? In the name of Jesus, the light of the world, let there be light in my life. Through Jesus' light, I'll be a light in my family. Through Jesus' light, I'll be a light in my neighborhood. Through Jesus' light, I'll be a light in the world. Remember the transfigurations of God in your life. These moments that we have to go back and again. But if you say... Pastor, I don't remember any of them, so that's fine. Just come to the table. This altar is already preparing a transfiguring moment for you. Come, be transfigured. Come up in one way and come down in another way. 
Because the light of Jesus will shine on you like nothing else. And you leave those doors like you feeling like the sun at midday. So go. I'm ready for the glory of God, are you? Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians, let, shine, let light shine out, out of darkness. Let our shine, our light shine from light. And when it seems there is only darkness, let light shine out of darkness. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Yeah.